fall series uh, from the book of Proverbs. Uh, You'll want to have your Bible open. Uh, The back of the worship folder will be helpful to you as well. Um, If you haven't been with us before, we put all of the uh, various Proverbs that we're going to be turning to uh, there for a handy reference, maybe later on. But uh, you can uh, follow along with me in, in your copy of the Scriptures or just there on the Worship folder and the screen as well will have those verses. We uh, covered last week wise words for a happy home. There is blessing that comes to a family through integrity, wisdom, love, the fear of the Lord. And I did mention just briefly that I I know that some and maybe most, uh, a happy home, I mean, that could sound a little too rosy. Um, How about some remedial wisdom for the unhappy home? Uh, maybe we need that today. Uh, and I get that. When, I, when I'm talking to a couple that is preparing for marriage, a lot of young people think that, you know, if I, if I just marry the right one, uh, everything will work out great. We will always be in love. We will never uh, argue. We will never disagree. Never, never a crossword. And uh, the reality is, though, I mean, most of you know this already. I don't have to tell you. The reality is if you put any two people together under the same roof, not to mention, you know, throwing in some kids later on, uh, there will be differences of opinion. There will be disagreements and arguments. You will have conflict. The, the issue is, the real question is, do you know how to handle it? Um, you will have conflict, so you better know how to handle it. And, and that's the same thing is true in any group setting, not just the home, not just the family, uh, uh, a team, a committee, a church, even an entire culture. Uh, we, we've seen issues, conflicts in our nation that we've been wrestling with, not always very well, because part of the problem, not all of it, part of the problem is that we don't know how to handle disagreements very well. So, these wise words for resolving conflict are not just for couples or families. This is wisdom for all of us, and we really need it. Now, as I said last week, Proverbs do not give us a simplistic formula, step-by-step instructions for peace and happiness. Uh, no, this is wisdom that you need to, that you need to build in to your uh, character and your behavior. You need to work it in to knead it into your soul. Uh, And we only have time to look at just a sample of the Proverbs on this topic. If you really want to do a deep dive, I can point you to some other books, other verses, of course. But let's start here with these that that we've got in front of us. This can make a big difference. And here's, here's the question we're going to be answering today. When it comes to conflict, are you fueling the fire or putting it out? When it comes to conflict, are you fueling the fire or are you putting it out? So we're going to look at six Proverbs in three main points. Don't start it. Turn it down. Put it out. Part one. Don't start it. Two Proverbs actually that go come back to back. Proverbs 26 uh, verses 20 and 21. For lack of wood, the fire goes out. And where there is no whisperer, quarreling ceases. Next Proverb. As charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. Now, you can easily see why these two Proverbs were put back to back. Both use the image of fire to describe quarreling or strife. Both talk about how certain types of people fuel 
the fire. And, and fire is, of course, a, a very fitting image for conflict. Arguments can get heated. We use a lot of the same words for anger and fire, uh, raging, fury. Uh, both fire and conflicts uh, can be hard to control, uh, often uh, easily get out of control, and they can be extremely destructive. I mean, just picture in your mind's eye, we've seen these on the news, uh, California after wildfires, whole landscapes with uh, nothing but ashes, charred remains. Could that be a picture of your marriage, your family, your, that, that job that you quit? Have you been burned? What is the wisdom that these Proverbs give us? What's the insight that we need that, that we could too easily miss? What well, he's saying, certain kinds of people will start a quarrel or strife and keep it going. And this is an important insight because in conflict, we often assume that it's, it's all about the issues, that, that, that thing, whatever that is, what that thing is that we disagree on. And sometimes it really is. Sometimes it really is a matter of, of right versus wrong, of good versus evil, justice versus injustice. Sometimes. But what if, this is Proverbs asking you to, to stop and think, what if your situation, your particular conflict, the issue is not the issue? Have you ever been in an argument with a sibling or a spouse, and you're, you're going at it back and forth, back and forth, it's, it's getting hot. And then and at some point, you're like, like, what are we fighting about? What, what was that thing that we were? Yeah, almost every, I know almost every married couple has this. You're, you're, you are going at it, but like, what was, what was that? How did we get this? An hour later, and you're like, what, how did this start? Well, sometimes it's the, the issue is not the issue anymore. Sometimes it's the, the people involved that are the fuel for the fire. And the Proverbs tell us this all over the place. I'm just going to hit you with a, with a bunch. They're not on the screen. Uh, Proverbs 16:28. a dishonest man spreads strife. 20 verse 3, but every fool will be quarreling. 22, 10, drive out a scoffer and strife will go out. 28, 25, a greedy man stirs up strife. So there's all kinds of different types of people that are just fuel for the fire. Dishonest man, fool, scoffer, greedy man. But, but let's focus on these that we've got here. Just two so we can take a little more time thinking about it. First proverb there mentions a whisperer. That's the fuel for the fire. Now, you, you know this is not somebody with laryngitis. <clears throat> this is somebody quietly spreading gossip, rumors, innuendo, slander, lies. That kind of person is just fuel for the fire. You, know, you can say all those things that they're spreading, that's fuel for the fire, yes. But that person, in effect, that person is, is just fuel for the fire. If you, and if you have any kind of conflict going on and that person is around, it's never going to go out. I mean, they're, they're always feeding just a little bit. Let's, let's put this on there. And, oh, yep, keep keeping that fire going, keeping the conflict alive. They're always throwing another log on the fire. On the, on the other hand, this proverb is saying, you, you, take, you take them out of the picture and the fire just dies out. Oh, that's, that's a lot better situation, right? Then the next proverb, the lower one, 2621 describes another kind of person who is fuel for the fire, a quarrelsome man. Uh, now, that seems kind of obvious, redundant, right? A quarrelsome man will always be quarreling, uh, creating strife. Well, that's the point. It's, it's in his nature. 
his character. He's always arguing because he's argumentative. She is always uh, contending, contesting, because she is contentious. And I had a couple people ask why I didn't include this proverb last week, the, uh, the Proverbs 29 or 21, nine. it's better to live in the corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. Why didn't you include that, that one last week in the, the home? Well, you know, it's a good one, true, but you know, you put that one and this one together, and it's not just the wives that can be quarrelsome, right? It's, it can be men and women. Um, so just husbands, no, it's not so great to live with you either uh, when you are quarrelsome. Now, you, how do you know if you are a quarrelsome man or woman? Well, um, how are you at taking advice or criticism? How, or your immediate reaction is always to dispute or debate so that those around you are afraid to contradict you, afraid to voice their opinion? Does it only take a spark to get the fire going? Are you the one who makes the flames go higher? As we've seen before with these Proverbs, they can always go in two directions uh, because they are worded as observations, not commands. And you're like, whoa, whoa you lost me. Uh, these, these are not worded as commands, right? Uh, don't be a whisperer. Um, you know, it, it's not that. It's just an observation. For lack of the wood, fire goes out. Where there, where there is no whisperer, quarreling ceases. As charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. Just an observation. That What that does is it lets it work two ways. First way, it's a warning. Yeah, there, there are some people that um, you don't want to get involved with because it's, it's just going to be trouble. Uh, don't put someone like uh, that on your team. Don't date a guy who explodes whenever you uh, see something different than he does. That's, you're going to, it's bad news. So part of it's a warning. Look out for that kind of person. The other side of it, though, you've got to look at yourself. Am I, am I that guy? Am I that woman? Am I that person? Some fo- it's amazing. Some folks can't believe all the difficult people that they have to deal with. My wife is always going at it, at it with me. My boss is giving me a hard time. My kids are always pushing back at me. My siblings don't want to have anything to do with me. And you're like, hmm, what's the one common thread in all of those situations? Maybe it's you. Maybe you are the problem. Each one should examine his or her self. Look how, look how you may be the one who's fueling the fire. Maybe you didn't start it. Maybe there is a real issue at the bottom of all of it. But yeah, check yourself. Are you, are, you, are you keeping that fire? Are you the fuel for the fire? Don't, just don't start that kind of fire. You can say, well, okay, that's, that's great. But what if it's too late to stop it before it starts? What if I can't avoid this person or I don't know how to change who I am? Well, let's keep going. This is part two. Turn it down. Don't start it. We said if you can help it, don't even start it. Uh, but if it's, if it's already going, turn it down. Proverbs fifteen eighteen: a hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. Now, I'm sure we have some 
firebugs in attendance here today. In your fireplace or your backyard fire pit, you're just constantly poking the fire. You just, you just like, it's like you have to always be stirring that fire. Some of you know, I mean, beyond firebug, you, you, you could be called a pyromaniac. I mean, I'm not, not saying you're committing arson. I'm just saying you're a little crazy about your fire. Um, two weeks ago, the youth group had a bonfire out at the Deucings house, and it was a rainy Sunday, which initially seemed disappointing. In hindsight, Logan said, probably a good thing so that we didn't set the whole countryside on fire. It was a pretty big bonfire, and, and Matt Deucing showed what you could do with a leaf blower and sawdust. I think we have a, a brief uh, clip of this. We're going to be able to see that. amazing. Leaf blower and so on. That, that is stirring up the fire. You know uh, I have every confidence in our youth ministry leadership. <laughs> and we also have insurance. Uh, but no, so that's, that's probably a better picture to have in mind for this proverb than somebody just kind of, you know, stirring the coals a little bit with the poker. Like, whoo. The first thing you probably notice in this proverb, Proverbs 15, 18, that this is, well, it's just like our last two Proverbs, right? Uh, The problem is the character of the person. This person is hot-tempered. There's a lot of overlap, of course, between the quarrelsome and the hot-tempered, but there's a difference. The quarrelsome uh, is quick to disagree, quick to debate. They're just a contrarian. Uh, They just have to object, uh, object. Uh, hot-tempered is quick to get angry, has a short fuse, like goes from all nice and happy and one, and then boom, rage monster. Like sawdust, they, they ignite immediately and explosively. We just saw that. Now, this is another kind of person who naturally stirs up strife. Just count on it. I mean, don't, don't, don't get involved with that kind of person. Don't be that kind of person. But Uh, This proverb does something that those earlier two we looked at didn't. It gives us the opposite in the second line. And, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. Now, if you uh, wrote this uh, as as an assignment for your, and turned it into your English teacher, um, she would probably send it back to you marked in red pen, mixed metaphors. Hot and slow are not opposites. Uh, The opposite of hot is cold. The opposite of slow is uh, fast or quick rewrite this. But the Proverbs do this all the time. They love to mix their metaphors partly to to bring all of it to our attention, to get us to think about both of them. You you don't want to be hot-tempered. You don't want to be quick-tempered. Instead, you should be cool-headed and slow to anger. Here's where it gets good. Who does the Bible tell us is slow to anger? Yeah, thank you. And, and, and the reason why it's that, that's, a, you know, that's not just a simplistic Sunday school answer, uh, God? Yes, you're right. The reason why that's not just a simplistic answer is that the first mention of this phrase comes from the Word of God Himself at a crucial moment in the Old Testament in Exodus 34. Exodus 34, the Lord appears to Moses and says, well, it says, Exodus 34, 6 says, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, or here, I am who I am, I am who I am, a God 
merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Slow to anger. It's like, it's like you, really have to, you really have to push him. You really have to provoke him. You really have to just mess up really to, to get him to, to respond in anger. He's slow to anger. He's patient, and yet he is abounding on the other side. His love and faithfulness just, just bursts forth. It, it, just, it, it is always abundant. What, and what's good news? Uh, How is that good news for Moses and the Israelites back in Exodus, uh, the book of Exodus? God said this about himself right after the golden calf incident at Sinai. The, the ink on the Ten Commandments was not even dry yet. Uh, I understand he didn't use ink, but it, it was not even dry yet. And the people of Israel, just redeemed from slavery, broke most of them. I mean, just. And God was, you read the, this, the whole section, God was rightly righteously angry with them. His wrath burned hot, but he would forgive his people. He would keep his covenant with them, not because they deserved it, not because of who they were, but because of who he is. I am a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Now, if that is the kind of graciousness, the kind of patience, the kind of forgiveness that he showed to the people of Israel, that he has shown to you, don't you think that's how we should treat others? Being slow to anger, not hot-tempered? Don't, don't, you, don't you want to be like him? As, as good as he is, don't you want to worship him and thank him and be like him. Don't you believe that he wants to help you be more like him? Because if I just say, hey, hey, y'all, be like, be like Jesus today, this week, you know, when people do, do you wrong, just, you know, be cool, be chill. No, it's okay. Just, just relax. Let it roll off your back. And you're like, I can't do that. Well, listen, love, joy, peace, gentleness, patience, fruit of the Spirit, which is for a moment, don't just think, oh, okay, so if I don't have those, am I really Christian? Let, just set that aside. If this is God's work in your life by His Spirit, don't you think if you feel like, oh, this is so hard, this is, it's, it, yes, it's hard. It's something you can't do yourself. You need Him to do it. Don't you think He wants to do that in you? Don't you think He will do that in you as you ask Him, as you lay before Him confessing like, God, I'm really bad at the patience thing. I'm really not good at the gentleness and, and peace and faith and love stuff. I, God, you, this is going to have to be your fruit working in me by your Spirit. Don't you think He wants to do that? Don't you think he wants to, don't you believe he wants to help you be more like him? Yes. Now, still in part two, let's talk about one practical way to do this. So we're still talking about turning it down. Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So there's that word stirs up again. We've seen that um, before. We, we know, okay, right, we, we've, we've come this far. We know that's not what we're supposed to do. Uh, this proverb gives us a, a different 
approach than stirring it up. Instead of the harsh word, give a soft answer. Now, follow, follow me. That word answer there clues us into the situation described here. This is not, of course, an answer to a question. This is a reply or a response to someone who is mad at you for some reason, right? A soft answer turns away wrath. They're coming to you. They've said something to you. They're, they're upset with you. And, and whether that anger is justified or not, which is to say whether, whether you really did them wrong or whether they've just overreacted or misunderstood, whatever, no matter what, if they're coming to you, if they're coming in hot, if they are accusing you, blaming you, insulting you, just tearing into you, how will you reply? Well, it's natural to swing back, to fire back. If you can, and if you can land a punch, boy, you're, you're going to want you want to do that. What, why do we so naturally go to the harsh word? Well, at, let, let's say at best. Let's just give you the best motives possible. At best, we want to defend ourselves um, as forcefully as possible. If they're coming in, making accusations, uh, we, want, we want to defend ourselves as forcefully as possible. And at worst, though, they're coming in hot, we get angry too, and we just all we want to do is strike back. All we want to do is just land one to make them feel how they're making us feel right now. That's, that's what can happen. Here is the, in this proverb, this is the counterintuitive wisdom. That is, it, this is not, not going to be your first instinct, but it really is wise. It really is wisdom. Do not answer with a harsh word, but a soft one. Now, let's think about this. Let me, I'm going to try to home in on what this is getting at, because this is not telling us that you have to make a, a weak or a timid response, and certainly not kind of, well, instead of, uh, instead of, pushing back, fighting back, we're just going to sort of kind of squirm out of things like, well, I'm going to make excuses or shift the blame or sort of weasel out of things. No, this doesn't even, I don't think, I don't think this rules out defending yourself. The soft answer is strength under control or what the Bible calls elsewhere, meekness. It's holding back when you could really let them have it. Holding back, strength under control, truth under control. Not truth used as a weapon, truth is like, hey, I'm confident in, I, I, I believe I, I have a, a different way to explain this or understand this, and I'm not going to rise to the level of your anger. I'm just going to calmly speak to you. And, and why, why would you hold back? Why would you not let them have it when they've come at you swinging, apparently? Well, apparently, in the, in the, in the view of this proverb, when you are in conflict, the, the wisdom here, it's better to turn it down than to turn it up. We, we know why a harsh word stirs up anger. It escalates the conflict. There, there's more fuel and there's more fire. And folks, you just got to appreciate what there, there's also more destruction when there's more fire. And, and, and a lot of times, the, the, we think we're in control, but you cannot, at some point, you cannot control the fire. A soft answer, when, even when defending yourself or, or making a counter-argument, communicates respect, a desire to resolve the issue, not merely to dominate the other person or destroy them. 
It's, see, it's, it's true. They may be wrong. They may be out of line. But the best way for you to make your case and diffuse the situation is the soft answer. It's, understand, this is not some silver bullet for resolving every conflict, but it is wisdom that you need in conflict. Don't stir it up. Turn it down. Turn it down. Even better, part three, put it out. Proverbs 10, 12 says, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. 10, 12, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. You may be familiar with this proverb as it's quoted a couple of times in the New Testament in both 1 Peter and James as love covers a multitude of sins. And this is a, a, another great time. I think we've, we've seen this already in this sermon and other sermons in this series. Proverbs are context-specific. That is, it actually takes wisdom to know, when do you apply this proverb to this moment? I'll give you an example from other proverbs, not even in the Bible. So uh, sometimes, um, and you're in a situation, the wisdom is, look before you leap. Like, don't, 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 don't be hasty. You, you're, you get in trouble if you just kind of jump in, dive in, like, whoa, 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 look before you leap. But there's also the wisdom that says, um, he who hesitates is lost. So sometimes you get you can't just sit around and and you know make up a, a list of pros and cons. You got to act. You got to do that. You, he who hesitates is lost. So wait a minute. So which is true? Well, they're both true depending on the situation. Uh, that's not situational ethics per se. It's not that that all truth is relative. It's just saying that wisdom, some wisdom applies in certain situations, and some wisdom applies in other situations. Now here with this one, if you're Husband is beating you. This is not, it's not loving to cover up that sin. If your sister lied to your parents about where she went uh, last night, it's not loving to cover for her. So what does this mean then? Well, I mean, this is hatred, love covers all offenses. Uh, well, some other Proverbs talk about this same idea in some different ways that will, that will help us kind of home in focus in on what it means to cover all offenses. So Proverbs 11:13 says, whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered. So the opposite of covered in that sense is slandering, revealing secrets. So you can see the picture of like revealing secrets, airing dirty laundry, or keeping a thing like, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to keep this thing covered. Proverbs 17, 9, whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. Instead of keeping it covered, you, you decide to, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep talking about it. I'm just going to keep bringing it up. I'm going to spread it around to other people. And like, no, co- let's, let's just let's put a lid on it, okay? We're going to cover it. So rather than airing somebody else's dirty laundry, rather than telling other people about their faults or what they did wrong, and you might say, oh, but it's, it's, tr- it's not gossip. It's true. So it's okay. Like, no, no. In love, cover it. Put a lid on it. Put it to bed. Bury it. It's done. Now, see how these lines work together here in this. We've looked at a couple other Proverbs to kind of home in on what Covering means here, covering is in opposition to stirring it up. So you get that idea? We've seen that. 
Um, you, you're either going to stir it up, you're going you're to stoke that fire, you're going to spread it around, you're going you're to whip this thing uh, into a frenzy, or you're going to cover it. Now, it, it, the first line, hatred stirs up strife. If we just did an exact opposite in the second line, it would be uh, love puts out strife, right? Which is my point here in the sermon. Yes, hatred stirs up strife, love puts cover on it, love puts out the fire, love puts out strife. But how does, how does love put out the fire of conflict? Well, it covers all offenses. Now, this is more, something more than simply overlooking a misunderstanding. It's saying, I'm not going to bring this up again, I'm not going to throw it in your face. They may have done you wrong. The word offenses here is not merely, eh, I was offended, and we, and we all know that can be maybe overused, and you know, you're, it's not about your feelings. No, the, an, an offense is a, is a real wrong, okay? Uh, they may have done you wrong, but some things, and it's really important, some things are not worth fighting over. They may have stepped on your toes again and again. They may be guilty of a thousand microaggressions. But here's the thing. If we go to battle over every small offense, the war will never be over. Hear me say that. In your home, in this nation, if we go to battle over every small offense, the war will never be over. That's not, me. That's not me saying that those offenses or even those microaggressions don't matter. It's saying that pursuing peace through love is a better way to get to where we want to be than angrily seeking to punish the other person for every infraction. Does that excuse injustice? No. It just means that you and I have to choose not to execute justice ourselves. And that's exactly where the last proverb goes. This is still, put it out, Proverbs 20, verse 22. Do not say, I will repay evil. Wait for the Lord, and He will deliver you. Do not say, I will repay evil. Wait for the Lord, and He will deliver you. So now, this, this really kicks it up a notch, right? or maybe several notches, from, from offenses, which kind of seem small, uh, to evil and revenge. Someone has done you wrong. So even just to repay evil, they've done evil to you. That, that's, that's implied in there. That's, that's already happened. They've done evil to you, and now you're saying, it is payback time. And this proverb is here because that is our instinctive response. That is our conventional wisdom. The wisdom of God's Word says, don't seek revenge. Instead, wait for God. He will deliver you. Implied, you won't deliver you. You won't fix things through revenge. You think you will make it better by striking back. You will feel better. You'll, you'll sort of just get this off your chest. You'll just like, oh, that felt good to just give, give him one. Like, no, no, no. That's, that's not how you're going to make, make it better. Don't do it. In fact, the, the, the verse says, don't do not say. Implication there, don't, don't even plan on it. Don't let yourself dwell on it. Don't, don't say, I will. Pray. See, this is somebody who's like plotting. They're like, oh, 
the next time I see her, this is what I'm going to say, and that's going to get her. Or, or when, we, when we play that team next year, oh man, he is going to eat it. Don't even plan or plot your revenge. This, this takes it all the way down to the desire for vengeance that is in our hearts because that's where it starts. Let go of what feels like your right to payback. An eye for an eye kind of justice. Because if you take it on yourself to even the score, most likely you will only be adding to the evil. Just slow down and think about that. Even, we're going to even the score. There is a kind of justice in that, right? Injustice is when there's in, some, some, things are out of balance. We're going to, they've done wrong. They've, they've hurt me. They've got some kind of, they've taken something from me. There's an injustice, an imbalance. We're going to even the score. We're going to bring about justice. But you know how hard and cruel that can be. Justice is right. Getting, uh, making people pay for what they've done, there's a, there's a right, a rightness to that. But when we try to bring that about, when we try to even the score, so often all we are doing is adding to the evil, not bringing about the kind of right balance that should be in our relationships, in our community. Again, we, you need to use wisdom even in applying these Proverbs because we say, okay, this, this says, you know, trust God and don't take justice into your own hands. That doesn't rule out calling the police when necessary because that is also not taking justice in your own hands. Uh, the Bible says the authorities are ordained by God. They exist to punish the evil and reward the good. Um, just because you don't even the score doesn't mean there doesn't need to be some kind of justice that there won't be justice. But, but you need to know, folks, you need to know that, e- that if, in your case, the police can't sort it out, or in various places in our world there are no police to call, or the police that there are there are corrupt, or the judicial system is, is in the pocket of, of people with all the money, you need to know there is a judge. There is a judge. We have a defender, and he is a righteous avenger, and he will restore, not just balance, not just restore what is right, but in a way that is beautiful and healing and genuinely restorative. Now, most people, we, we, we know this, most people don't like the idea of God as a judge, uh, especially because, you know, well, God is judge. Like, Man, would you just back off? Just relax, God. Why are you judging me all the time? Well, we don't, we, we react against that. But here's the thing. What if there's a, if there's never a day when there is a, if there is a never a day of reckoning for evil, what then? Do evil people just get away with it? You better believe we want God to judge the wicked. The question is for those who don't want to add to the evil, add to the injustice by striking back, can you wait for the Lord? Can you leave it in God's hands? You might have to wait until judgment day, which means you might also have to wait for that and not see it in your own lifetime. Wait, you might not see the wicked finally brought to justice in your life. Can you trust God? 
Can you leave justice in his hands? It doesn't mean we don't work for justice. We, don't, we, we can, we can make, do the best that we can in our communities to make, and in our relationships, in our homes, for there to be fairness and, and honesty and, yes, justice. But when, where we can't do that, or where the trying to get to justice, we end up hurting each other more, can we trust that to God? Can we leave justice in his hands rather than vengeance? This proverb could have read, do not say, I will repay evil, wait for the Lord, and he will pay them back for what they did to you. Could have said that. And in some sense, that is true. And as I've already tried to say, I think in some sense, that is implied. Wait for the Lord, and he will bring justice in the end. I think that's there. There is a judgment day coming. But what is the significance that it says, not that, wait for the Lord, and he will pay them back for what they did to you? What is the significance that it says, instead, wait for the Lord, and he will deliver you? What if the God is, who is slow to anger is more eager to save. He will be judge, but he is a savior too. What if in God's plan and his time he will save you and save them too? Could you be okay with that? The people that hurt you, could you be okay with God? Yes, God, judge them if that, or save them. We prayed that earlier for those kidnappers in Haiti. There may be a deliverance, a salvation that you need from your oppressor, from, the, from someone who cheats you, abuses you, or in some sense forces you into sin, an ex-husband, a crooked landlord, a corrupt employer. But to save you, to deliver you from the justice that is due you for your sin, to save you from the righteous wrath of God for your wrongdoing, he has to forgive you through the grace that he's shown us through the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, who died for our sin. And if he has saved you that way, isn't it possible that he could save them too? Not, not overlooking their sin, not ignoring those injustices, not covering up their sin, but covered by the blood of Jesus. Covered as in paid for. Covered. Let's bring this back to simple, ordinary, everyday conflict as we bring this to a close. Uh, you, could be, you could be so angry at your spouse, your kids, your parents, your boss, your neighbor, they may have done you wrong. This proverb is telling you, let go of the right that you have to inflict justice on them. Wait for the Lord. He will deliver you. He will either bring them to justice or he will bring them to salvation. If he's brought you to salvation, let that be another reason to let go of revenge. This is how, for this this is how you're going to put out the fire. You're saying, I'm not going to fight back. I'm, it's, it stops here with me. You've hurt me, but I'm not going to keep it going. It stops here. I'm not fighting back. Let go of revenge. Leave them in God's hands. Don't fuel the fire of conflict. Put it out. 
with the grace of God because God's love covers all offenses. The grace of God that he's extended to us in Christ covers a multitude of sins. Not just theirs, yours and mine. And don't we want them to cover theirs too? God, change our hearts. Father, we're, we're looking to you. Thanking you for the, for the salvation we have already received, the forgiveness of sin that you've extended to us in Christ, and the salvation we are waiting for, the great rescue operation that will come when Jesus returns to deliver us from the, the wicked who so often seem to be running the show here and now on this earth. But God, we know your throne is higher. We know your throne is greater and it will extend beyond this age and the age of sin and wickedness, corruption and injustice. We pray that you would help us as we wait for that day. Lord, give us patience and endurance. Give us grace and mercy to extend to others out of the abundance of steadfast love and faithfulness that you have shown to us. God, I pray that you'd help us this morning. It's not enough to be temperamentally slow to anger. I'm, you know, somebody that's just not as, you know, tends not to be as angry. God, we need your spirit in the, in the person of, of a, a stronger temperament or a more, you know, relaxed person. We need your spirit to change all of us into the kind of people that you want us to be so that that however we live and however we interact with others and in the, even in the conflict, that the thing that's most on display is a life transformed by redeeming grace. God, would you do that among us? In, in this community, in the relationships that we have within our homes and within this body of believers, and God, would you let it spill over into the, into the hatred, into the injustice, into the... Uh, quarrels and strife that are going on in our nation and in our world. God, help us to honor you in the way we show your abounding steadfast love and faithfulness in this world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.